Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Speaking of Sports. This is Coach Al Harris. Rocking it, Coach. And I'm coming in pinch hitting for Ray. Yeah, it's a tough pinch hit, you know? Can't say substituting because he's a one and only. He is a one and only. Let's talk about Ray before we get started. Chad, try to define Ray for those that don't know him. In, you know, how do you God. define him? Three what? words or less. Five words or less. Uh, boisterous. Pas- boisterous. Passionate, passionate. And loud. Loud? In a good way. That loud. Obnoxious at times? I think that comes with loud. Right? Chad just called you obnoxious. I, I, it's loud. I, I loud. 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 Jimmy, good word for Ray. Annoying. <laughs> Annoying. <laughs> Our production director from the setup looking really good today. Jimmy's got the whole studio look. We look very official. Shirts, and if Ray were here, he'd be talking about our pens. our pens. We had more requests last week for pens than information <laughs> about the show. So, and, and they weren't like Keith Jones hockey cards. What do you got, Coach? <laughs> well, first of all, I'm here with Chad the Whiz Kid Grimley, Chuck the Boss Grimley, our great producer Jim. Jimmy does a nice job to Jimmy. And, and Chuck, I'm going to start you off. Uh-oh. With a mathematical question. I feel it coming, man. You're bringing the heat early. Bring it. What is 8 for 76? 8 for 76. If I keep eating like I am, I wait in two years. Uh, <laughs> 8 for <76. laughs> Jimmy on the cell. No, not the, what you've ate at, since 1976. Yeah, We're right. talking 8 into 76. All right, 8 for and I, and I know it's, you know, to be fair, you're relevant here. It's just not like you, you dived into the archives from 40 years ago. 8 for 76. Wow. Well, Schwarber's done stuff like that this year. Am I saying it wrong, Chad? Schwarber. 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 Not Schwarber. Jimmy, Schwarber. Jimmy, can you say it? Can you say it? Schwarber. 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 Yeah, Schwarber. Schwarber. Hitting Schwarbombs. It's Schwarber. 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 Not that elongated. Yes. Okay, Schwarber. There you go. You got it. Say Schwarber. Say shore and then just call oh. it shorber, like a little bit. Like S- now I'm saying it wrong. S U R E B E R, like a bird on a beach. It. It's just shore. Now he spells it. It's shorber. Shore. About about shorber. No, it's not shore. It's okay. Shore. Shore. Shorber. That was close. Jimmy gave me a thumbs up. How about Jimmy's headset? Well, we went right right from math to word pronunciation in like two minutes. Hey, you learn everything here on speaking of sports. Uh, eight for 76. You got me, coach. Well, the Phillies are in their need for a center fielder since Marsh is going to be put on a 10-day list with some leg problems. They just acquired Bradley Zimmer, uh, who uh, uh, he's 21 home runs and 830 major league at-bats. That's the good news. This year he is 8 for 76 with a batting average of 105, which makes Schwarber look a lot better. Yeah, and out of the uh, seventy-six at bats, only thirty-three strikeouts. So I guess that's like a forty percent strikeout. <laughs> but he is above average defensively. Yeah, and it checks out too. I looked at his numbers this morning. Uh, did you ever think the Phillies would wish that they had Herrera back? Well, that's been mentioned a couple of times this week, and I think that that's definitely yeah. that name is written off. And it's it's funny when they signed the guy. From the Angels, Brad Marsh, Chad. Yes, wow. I think it's Brandon. I'm Marsh. not going to miss. Oh, did I? I was going to go to the whole Brandon. show and not miss one. Yeah, yeah it's Brandon Damn Marsh, it. not Brad. Jimmy. And Jimmy. it's not Walsh, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, Brandon Marsh. Uh, they, they everybody told you what a great center fielder 
he was, except speaking of sports, pushed back on that and said he's got great numbers in left field, if I'm quoting correct. the Wizkid correct. correctly. But his center field defensive run save career-wise, not so much. Well, lo and behold, he's had three plays right now, a ball that he came in, kind of called a Texas Ligger, you know, hop, dropped in, that he mutilated. He missed the scoop. That's bad enough. He didn't take the right angle to pick it up because you don't notice that stuff. You have to get your footwork ready to pick the ball up. Certain Trump didn't do that. Lollygag to throw. A runner goes to third, and another runner comes home. So the, the sabermetrics guy is trying to analyze that play and give him a deduction or really put to the test. Then he pretty much mutilates a ball at the wall that he didn't take an athletic approach on whatsoever. I yes, think exactly. His Philadelphia Philly fans, uh, 5,000 of you listening, man, thank you. You just saw what we were talking about because a lot of times when we do this numbers gig, I know there's pushback we get about, oh, you know, you guys are too analytical sometimes. Well, we weren't there. We said that his defensive run saved numbers, therefore his defensive ability in center field was not that great. And you've seen that so far. And nobody else in town is saying that, Coach Al. Well, no, they've got a rookie named Rojas we hear off yeah. and on and so forth and said you could bring him up, he's not going to hit that much. Why not bring a kid like that up, get him a little exposure, because he can run. He could be a pinch hitter and help you speed-wise rather than go with a guy that's batting 105. And yeah, good, great point. So, Fair point. so the, part, the part that's scary to me about Marsh is he, he's built up a lot of games in center now. He's played 101 games in center and 77 games in left, so he's actually played Fair. more games in center now. Yeah, yeah. And he has a negative four defensive, sorry, negative three defensive run save, negative four RTOT in center for his career. In left field, he's a positive six. I'm just bothered by how is there a 10 point gap between your left field abilities and your center field well, abilities? Well, I'm talking to somebody who played a lot of outfield ball, not against professional ricochets, but you can answer that question. It ah. would never happen for me. Because I am. Yeah, I's not. I didn't play in the big leagues. I played a lot of outfield my life, did. and I don't have these saber analytic metrics on me. But I know they would be very, very close in left versus center. Saber analytics metrics. Just combined a bunch of terms. Sab- I don't know if it's saber metric or looking at an analytic uh, here. Hey, Al, I got him. But there already. just can't be a ten point gap. That's the part that matters. You can't be that good in left and that bad in center. You need to be great in left and good in center. Average, but not bad. It's an outstanding question. Go ahead, Coach. Well, you know what I think, too? We have not had a fantastic, better-than-average center fielder in so long that someone else can come in there that's half-decent, and we project them to be better than we just got rid of. Some of the best trivia questions I always say, keep it macro, don't dive into 40 years ago. Who cares? Name me the last great Philly center fielder. I think it's pretty obvious, yeah, flying Hawaiian. Gary Maddox. Maddox. No, Shane McDorino was a great center fielder. Are we going to look up? No, the look, we we'll have to time? compare the guy, but, but Shane McDorino was a great center fielder. The whiz kid on your computer. Yeah, takes, I can pull it up, but oh, it's ow. not a comparison. Before we do this, who are you betting on? Defensive run save. What I said, Gary Maddox. No, Maddox. That, that wasn't the question. I this thought is, it was, this Jim. Is was misleading that the question? The, entire, the question was Jim a great center God fielder. I can like, go back to Richie Ashburn if you want. <laughs> the question was best center fielder. I meant to say we were talking about defense. You said when was the last great center fielder? I should have said defensive center fielder, okay? But right. still Maddox over Victorino. 
Sure, but you said when's a the last sure great burr? one? You didn't say sure when, you didn't say like right, when was the best one. Let's stay focused for Jimmy's going like this. Defensive run saved. Victorina versus Maddox. Now that we got the audience hooked, let's give it to them. You want to know the last really good, if not great, Phillies center fielder defensively. You know, it's a, it's, it's a mouthful. All right, well, Victorino right. had 18 in Eight, 11 seasons. 18 plus in center field. So yep. we're talking about a very, very good defensive run. It's a plus 18 run saved over his career in center field. As we buy a little bit of time waiting for Maddox, who I'm going to say is like a a 40 or maybe a 60. You know, it looks like they didn't have, didn't have defensive, defensive run, run save. save back then. Yeah, no, they have no. like Artot and stuff. They don't have defensive run save. I don't see what, it. What's his Artot? Artot per year in center is just fit and not sorry yeah. nine overall. Yeah, so don't, but but that'd be a good that'd be a good comparison. They both were super quick. Could, took the right angle, right? Well, I'll give you a comparison. A ground ball to Boa, 99% out making yep. a play. Yep. Anything to center field, Maddox is going to get. Yeah, it was an out. It was an out. I mean, I, th- I think most people would say Gary Maddox was a better center fielder. But you know what you can look up if you have the fields in front of you? Just the assist. Look at Victorino's high assist center field. Look at Maddox's high assist. Now, Victorino did have an arm, right? Yeah. Maddox was not known for his arm, but he could cover. Secretary of Defense wasn't that his exactly right? That was his name because we want to jump into the it Phillies. Looks like one year Maddox had thirteen assists. That's a couple a years surprise to me. Um, wow, okay. a lot of chances. Now that's just combining all outfield positions he played there. So he may have been. I mean, I'm sure it's mostly in center. But that's thirteen assists in one year. Yeah, Victorino won't it's have like that. Victorino had a couple elevens. Yeah, that's yeah. tens. They're they're comparable. Then yeah, you get yeah, back to certain teams are not going to run against certain outfielders. Yeah. Well, the point was made last night and this morning on MLB. Where have the good outfield arms gone? The throws are they're bouncing the ball at the pitcher's mound without Vila. I mean, it's they're rolling in from the pitcher's mound. And when you're getting these weak throws, it ruins your cutoff things and about the runner getting the batter getting to second base, and yeah. it changes a lot of I things. I mean, first and third now for the guys at Hustle, it's automatic. You don't see the right fielders throwing anybody out of third base. And and when it's outrageous, like Schwarber did the other day, they're offline with the throw. So, I mean, it, it must be run because the outfield arms are just diminished to the point where you can count on one hand the really good outfield arms. Let's talk Phillies baseball. What do you got, Wiz? Well, I, I, rem- I remain Wiz optimistic. Kid, yeah, exactly right. I remain optimistic with the Phillies. It wasn't the series we were hoping for against the Mets. They got they started off with an early win, and then they lost the next two games. Disappointing. They were they were relatively pretty tight games. I think the yeah, third game got a little out of control. Right. But um, overall, I'm still encouraged. I mean, I think they're fighting for the, the wild card spot. It's looking pretty good, like it should be theirs in the second spot. Yeah, we the third as backup. Yeah, with Harper coming. With yeah. Harper coming back, Segura here. I, I mean, we're looking at a team that's going to make the playoffs, and I think we could really, I think we could beat anybody in the, in the playoffs right now. Maybe say for the Dodgers, but with our pitching lineup with Nola, Wheeler, the third, whoever that is, be whether it's Thor, someone else, Rangers, Rangers pitching good, pitching, well, pitching really well. good. I, I think we could really compete against really with mostly any team out there. Well, yeah, I think what it well, showed too. We have a winning record against the Dodgers. We're even with the Braves. The nemesis this year, replacing the Marlins, as you just mentioned, uh, is the Mets. Um, I think we're three and eleven against the Mets, something like that. 
yeah, we've demonstrated that we can beat anybody. When you, listen, we know <clears throat> that if you got Will or Nola, and I think right now if you expose Philly fans, who is the most dependable third starter, you're going to get three different answers. Would you agree, Coach? Yeah. Yeah. Up until a week guy? and a half ago, you wouldn't have said Ranger, you but also this Ranger. last week he threw two great games. You're as good as your most recent four or five outings. Right? Oh, show yeah. show me that, a player's last month. And Gibson has not been bad with two or that three That was my games. guy on the radio list yeah. uh, with uh, the Phil and Freskin. Um, Steve Fredericks, is it? Uh, uh, That's the name way back. Yeah. Uh, who's the guy that filled in last Saturday um, for two Saturdays ago? Rob, anyway. Rob Ellis? No, but anyway, I picked John Johnson. Uh, sorry, I picked uh, I picked Gibson. Um, I think they have three guys capable of throwing a good game, competitive game, uh, game three, and Nola and Wheeler just seem Nola just seems to be getting better. He figured something out, man. He did. How all he of a sudden he's pitching in front with control? Fastballs ain't faster. Speaking of fastballs, so Degrom last night will come back to the Phillies, loses to Atlanta. And they showed some of the highlights. And DeGrom's throwing change-ups in the 80s down the middle to Riley, smoking them. And they're showing his results off the slider fastball, touching 101. What the heck would you go to a change? It, it made no sense in the pitch sequence. Being an old pitcher, sometimes you outguess you say, you say well, he, you. He, yeah. I'm 99% sure he's looking for the heater. And this and that. Let me throw a change-up and break his back at Bobby. Yeah, I'll tell you, if baseball, real baseball purists that love the game, there's a lot of you still out there. If you go into the ESPN app, help me out here, uh, bud, and you look at the game. Uh, like a game cast. Game cast. You can see the pitch box uh, per pitch and how they hit the black so often. And, and when they're off, it's just by a baseball. These guys don't miss, Coach. They're, they're These are the guys where if you want – down to Seaside Heights, I thought the, I always thought they had a great boardwalk. And you got that thing where you got to throw the ball in the basket type thing or knock over the, the rabbits, whatever they were. These guys from 60 feet would go one after another and knock 10 straight down. That's how much control they have. What do you think about the Phillies, Coach? you think they're going to uh, – Well, I think the biggest problem has been they've had a lot of base runners on. Yeah. And so many strikeouts. And you know, we're big proponents, you and I, when we coach, get the ball in play, right. things happen. And But if you're not getting the ball in play, and how many times in the last 10 days, counting the Mets, Cincinnati, and so forth, did they have second, third, and one out, and next guy strikes out, the next guy makes an out, and they're just not taking advantage of the fact that, especially against good pitchers, when you get them on, you've got to get them in somewhere. How about a squeeze once in a while? I mean, just to break things up. Well, we get a break this series because we don't see the two monsters, right? We escape those. They, so that that's, that's a, a big help. The Phillies have played 20 competitive, uh, 20 series this year uh, against 500 teams, and they're 8-12. and 12 for what that's worth. Um, so, you know, that they're competitive, but they're 8-12. and 12. Right, and the other way, you would want it to be at least 12-8. and eight. You'd like to see 12-8, and eight, yeah. okay? For what that's worth, I don't know how much you can predict from that, um, but that's where they are. Um, it, do you think they sell out this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? The doubleheader on Saturday, right? Two games? Saturday, one Sunday. I believe so. Yeah. Any sellouts, Wiz? Kid? Maybe, maybe. Um, but here, here's I want to just I wanted to say this. Here's a fun Phillies record fact: Phillies have the fifth best road record in baseball this year. 
That's pretty good. They never had plus 500 road records. They're yet. winning this year on the road. That's pretty yeah. good to say. It is good. Now, if you want the bad news, Philly fan, and I hate to give it to you, but there's some really, really bad news. What Atlanta has done since winning the World Series is improve their ball club immeasurably. All right. I, know, I know everybody is familiar with the star uh, Kuna, Swanson, Riley. Of course, they have Olsen, who's a monster. He puts up close to Freeman numbers. He's signed. But the last three guys, Contreras, the catcher, Grissom, Vaughn Grissom, this kid's 21, and Harris. These are three new additions to the Braves lineup, and they look like they're going to be there, coach, for 10 years. They're signed. They've, they're all under contract long-term, except Swanson, the shortstop. I think he's going to want to stay. Their pitching right now is lined up. Their bullpen's third best in baseball. Atlanta right now, average age of these guys I'm talking about, is 24 and they're signed through 29th. This looks like a situation that's... You're talking a six- or eight-year dynasty. It doesn't matter if, it they, looks if it. they've depleted some of their farm system because everybody they bring up is a great player. And great point. They have finally. I mean, this time last year, the year before that, the year before that, they had seven guys in the top 10, most of them in the top 50. Finally, they don't have that anymore because they used them. You know, they brought them up or, or, or trade bait. But, I mean, this is a team that's 24 years old now these last two guys, Harris and uh, and and Grissom, these guys are both batting three ten. They're high school players, obviously twenty one. Look at their minor league numbers. They're only in the minors for like two years. It's like four hundred one next level three eighty six. I mean they're just crushing owning minor league pitching. Atlanta recognizes that. Skips AAA. Hey, heck with that. We're going to bring you up now and put you in there. You know, years ago, if you said that to the Phillies organization, Jim, we're going to bring up a 21-year-old from double-A because he's hitting 340? Never. I think they might have a great director of scouting. I'll so tell you. <laughs> and, and what it really underscores, uh, Chad, is how woeful for decades the Phillies drafting has been. You don't have been. a high school player to talk speak of, do you? Who's your top international player? Talked about that two weeks ago. I can't even think about the last time the Phillies drafted a key player. I guess in like NOLA. How, how many homegrown players do we really have right now on, on this team that are producing at a well, high level? NOLA, yeah. Hoskins. Hoskins. I, I wouldn't say Hoskins at a high level, though. But, yes, you know, he's, he's, a good, he's, a, he's an above-average player. Sneaks up here on the stats once again. He's doing it this year. 825 OPS. He's going to be his career numbers. Yeah, but Six I'm talking baseball. about like a really like you know stuff like Nola. Like Nola's been a st- absolute like, stud. Like Vaughn Grissom, this guy has. Yeah, like really good yeah. high high yeah. high level There's players. There's a 21 year old's going to hit 320 for the next. Yeah, 10 where, years. where's our 21 year old on the team? Who, who's I mean, I I hope it's Stott. I don't know what his age is. I know he's young. Maybe no, like, I like no, Stott he, a lot. He went to college. Stott went to. College. I'm just talking about like a good young, yeah, stud. young player, like a yeah, guy yeah. who could be a stud. And he, you know, Stott's been hitting close to 300 the last like 30 days. I'm sold. He's really it. turned it around. I'm, I'm you sold on Stott. I'm definitely. Happy. Oh, I am. Yeah, so, yeah. He's you, just so smooth out there. Right. He's improved hitting and so forth. He looks like a very confident young man. So if the Phillies want to go over five runs per game, that's that's the threshold the teams want to be at offensively. If they sign Turner next year. You're talking about a formidable lineup, right? You oh, put Trey, one, Tr- Trey Turner? Yeah, one oh. more, right? That would be um In a heartbeat. Heartbeat. And it was disappointing. Stott's already 24. Yeah. Where's our 21-year-old? No, no, that's why I brought it up. 
because Atlanta's got them and we don't. Yeah. That's, that was well, I think the, the last 28 days, though, Stott's at 296. Yeah, he's, he's on I mean, fire. He's a, yeah. Don't look he's at his fire. season stats where no. he's sitting 220. No, you don't care. He, right. he is where, where we need him hot is right now, and he has, is he is on fire. Last seven days, 330. Last 14 days, 350. The guy's hitting right now, and hopefully he just carries that because we really need him as a leadoff hitter. He can be good up there. He yeah, makes well. every play out there. He looks like a seasoned veteran no, when you see d- him field. Defensively, and, like, and let's face down. it, the the uh, Phillies have put all their eggs in one basket with Painter, Abel, and McGarry. Since you stopped me with a semi trivia question to start the show here, I'm going to come back at you, okay? Can you name the Philly player that in wins against average, which is like war, just slightly different? The one position where the Chad's looking at me like, you better get this right, uh, where the Phillies player is 33% better than any other I would position. think that would be Mr. Rio Milto. Well, yeah, absolutely. Oh, boy, you came prepared, didn't you, Coach? Definitely. It's right up here somewhere. Yeah. yeah, you could say right now, not only best catcher in baseball, <clears throat> Howard Eskin, what a great contract it is, but by a lot. He, he, his wins against average is like a 2.8. The next catcher is like 1.6. Kirk, it's not close. It's unbelievable for a guy that everybody said was having a horrible year. Of course, his numbers have come up a little bit, but that's how much difference there is between JT and the rest of the pack. Well, you know what it is? It's unbelievable. I, th- I think you take him for granted. He's such a great athlete and so forth right. in the years he's had. But, I mean, how many catchers routinely go from first to third first on a normal third. single? Yeah. So very, very beat, few. Beat out a double play ball. Uh, 15 for 15 steal and bases. They haven't done that Great since point. 1906 Great a catcher with the Phillies. Yeah, so, so if you want to know why he's ranked so high, Coach Al just did a nice job of underscoring some of those points. So I just pulled up the, the war um, for just all MLB positions, and this is kind of shocking. Yeah, catchers, Phillies are number one by a lot. But – According to Baseball Reference, the Phillies' starting pitching is ranked the highest in baseball uh, in yeah, WAR. Yeah, all the pitching overall they're ranked the highest. highest. In relief pitching, they're ranked fifth. Yeah. Fascinating Absolutely. when you think about it, because no one would say they have the best starting pitching in the MLB. I mean, look at the Dodgers it, lineup; every guy is like a sub three ERA. It's Coach unreal. Al just used the right word, sneaky. You, you don't realize yeah. that, and that's what it is. It is. Sneaky. That's what it is, uh, Phillies fans. Best pitching in baseball. When's the last time we said that? Hey, in the last two weeks, if you average four or five runs in all those games, you get shut out four times in yeah. what, seven games or something yeah. like that. I mean, no matter how good the pitching is, if you don't score any yeah, runs, you can't if, win. If you look at the position players, bud, obviously Harper is out, but he would show up under DH very high, of course. They're still ranked fourth from everything Harper did before he went yeah, out. About They're that. still ranked yeah. fourth. So take DH. Harper out. I believe yeah. the next position player is Hoskins, about six. Hoskins actually fifth. On yeah. baseball. On baseball, yeah. Okay. Jimmy's saying, let's rock it. What do you got, WizKid? Well, this is just kind of breaking news right before the show started. Uh, just for any, you know, since we're talking about the Braves just a second ago here, uh, Marcelo Zuna for the Braves just looks like he had a DUI um, overnight. So I don't know how long he'll be out for, what will impact us here, but he's not the potent force in their lineup. They have a lot of hitters, but anything that can take the Braves, get them a little distracted right now. Distraction, um, yeah. I mean, we don't want to see him having a DUI. You can, you can really hurt, kill someone, but this is good. This is the, it's a distraction for the Braves clubhouse right now. They're going to have to deal with just wanted to put that out. That just came out of just a couple minutes ago here. Thanks for getting me to circle back or somebody. I was extremely remiss not to mention. 
Ozzie Albies, 110 RBIs last year, and I think 68 extra base hits is another one in that lineup side. They are just absolutely loaded for the future. And when they got a pitcher, Soraka, who I think hasn't pitched in close to two years with yeah. Tommy John, whatever, I think he's supposed to pitch in the next series. Yeah. So Anyway, message to the young kids uh, that watch your show. We have a lot of them. You're right. Get a driver. Call the drivers, Ubers. Ubers. I mean, to get in the car and risk taking your life, somebody else's life, that just doesn't happen anymore. It can't happen anymore. You've had too much to drink. Make a phone call. Call Coach Al. More than happy to come out and pick you up. Right? Call the whiz kid. Call Jimmy. Uh, why don't call not? me at 1 o'clock. I just don't understand how these players with millions of dollars aren't responsible enough. Oh, man. I mean, it doesn't make an sense. An Uber is 20 bucks to get home. Right? Come on. Right? You're going to kill someone or hurt someone. And Atlanta will just release them. Or hurt yourself. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these players you know. looking for a selfish attitude. I'm a baseball player. I don't want to I want to be out on the field. I'm going to hurt myself. And it not only that, I doubt if any of them know what 8 for 76 is either. How stinking <laughs> right, good talk, is Justin yeah, let's, Verlander? Let's talk about this fine wine, Justin Verlander this, here. These stats, please pay attention. Go ahead, bud. Verlander. It's unbelievable. Coming off of, I think, Tommy John from last season, yeah. he has a 1.95 ERA this year. 1.95 at 39 years old. The 1.95 in and itself would be unreal. But doing it at 39 is just insane. Here's how he ranks compared to some Hall of Fame pitchers, some big names on this at, list. At 39. At 39 years old. Nolan Ryan at 39. 3.3 ERA. I'm just gonna. I'm not yep, gonna I'm go for yep. most of them. Tom Glavin, three point five. Steve Carlton, three point six ERA. Yep. Tom Seaver, three point nine. Greg Maddox, four point two. Roger Clemens in the fours. Bob Gibson's in the five, and Walter Johnson's in the fives. The combined average thirty-nine-year-old ERA for these Hall of Famers is a four point oh one. And Verlander's sitting here at one point nine five with the season, you know, getting close to the end here. It's unbelievable how good he's doing right now. It's really, really unheard of. I mean, you have to go back and look at hundreds, a hundred MLB seasons to find anything comparable. Eddie Plank in 1915 had a 2.08 ERA over 270 innings pitch, which is insane. But I mean, talk about a different era. 19. We have to go back yeah, to 1915 yeah. to, to find a guy whose ERA is still worse, <laughs> worse than Justin Verlander's is right now. Let's talk about why and how. How. We, you do hear a lot of stories of guys co coming back from Post, Tommy, Tommy John, John right? who throw harder, throw better. I, it, it makes me w wonder, being as effective and in the game as long as Verlander was before he got you know the injury that made him get the Tommy John, was there soreness? Was there just subconscious pain going on that his body was fighting? Now he comes back like like he's got a robot on his arm here. Yeah. And it just feels feels like he's 25 again. Four on his hits arm, on his arm, maybe. Innings. I mean, this is just unbelievable. Well, what he's doing right now. Well, he has insane. a great fluid delivery. It just this looks like there's not a lot of effort. He's just so smooth and so smart. And yeah. He's a pleasure to watch. Yeah, but, you know, you look at those stats, and that's what the beauty of baseball and the beauty of numbers is, in my opinion. I love these voyages I take where you just dive in and you look at something like the Red Sox doubles. That'll be next week. Right, the Red Sox, if they're seventh in hitting overall, batting average and OPS, will lead the league in doubles by sixty. Because you, you be, think the wall might have anything to do with it? <laughs> so each Major League Baseball season, when you turn the key, 
You anoint the Red Sox, the doubles leader, by 60 doubles. How much does that help your offense? And they say even without right? Mookie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd wait till you see the numbers throughout the years. When they do have a great hitting team, you want to see how demonstrative the imbalance is there. But when they don't have a great hitting team, they're still going to lead the league in doubles almost every year. you got to so see it. I, I remember back in high school, um, the swimsuit model, Kate Upton, started dating Justin Verlander. And, and uh, he actually struggled when they started dating. And it was a whole joke, like, oh, he's distracted by Kate Upton, you know, this gorgeous model. He had a 3.99 ERA in 2013, 2014. I don't know if something's turned well, around his now. His hands but. might have started to crimp up there for a reason. I, I don't make know. Make you proud, Ray. What's up with your uh, your boy, Tony La Russa, Wiz? Uh, Kid. Uh, Tony La Russa, <laughs> my God. This guy makes me so angry more than watching Let's the stuff set the that La table. does. Let's set the table. The, the White Sox are playing the Astros, and the White Sox are still fighting for a, pl- oh, a yeah. postseason opportunity Very here. Very much alive. And um, I don't think we'd even call him Tony La Russa. More like, it's like sleeping La Russa at this point. <laughs> it's, it's late in the game. The thing is the eighth inning, and you see a fan yelling at LaRusa from maybe, I don't know, 15 feet away, going, LaRusa, put angle in the pinch run. Pinch run angle. He's about 15 feet away. While this is happening, the batter is in the batter's in the box, box, ready to hit. It wasn't like he was walking off. The batter is in the box, ready the box. to hit. This fan's screaming at LaRusa to put put an angle. All of a sudden, LaRusa walks out and requests a pinch runner. Yeah, it the was fan, unbelievable. His, his name's Mark Weinstein. He later said Monday that he's a diehard White Sox fan. It's the first game he attended this season. He said he's not a huge fan of LaRusa, but this is the funny part. He described his game as a business trip. He said, it was a business trip for me. I'm not going there to have fun. I want to win. This is crunch time, and I got to try to get my voice heard, and that's what I did. When it was needed to make that statement, that's what I did. This guy sounds more like a manager than Larusa does. Can we get him? He's on a the, fan. Can we get him on the show? We can try. We're gonna get we him. Maybe able. Well, how about speaking of sports? We now call him Lost It Larusa. He did. Okay? He has because lost two it. weeks ago, I was telling you guys before we started today, he had a batter go up in a situation, and it went zero and one. Yeah. He called timeout yeah. and then intentionally walked in. He wants to show everybody how, how smart he is. And two weeks later, they showed him sound asleep in the dugout. Yeah. Yeah. But this is the worst of all the examples. This is worse than the one and two or the. the this is a bad one. I mean, two, bad one. This is terrible. This is saying you're not only sleeping the switch, this is allowing a fan to remind you to dictate what should be done strategically. And LaRusso's first instinct, of course, was to ignore the fan. I'm not going to acquiesce to what, what you're telling me to do. How bad does that make me look? But all of a sudden, he realized strategically, I got to do this. To Chad's point, batter's in the dugout, and he's, here comes the pinch runner. You know, it just looked horrendous. And everybody, you can hear the video. Of course, are we going to have this in the show? Pay attention to some of the people around this Weinstein guy. So he's the effing manager. Wow, it, it's it's humiliating. Now, now, I don't know how the White Sox organization gets past it. Yeah, now the part that's upsetting is Larusa. The next day, when he's asked about it, yeah, he goes, "It's the first time I'm hearing about this." And, uh, yeah, uh, tell right. him I heard it yeah. to make his day. And then he mentions later, "Oh, he wasn't thinking about the tenth inning." Should anyone be thinking about extra innings when you're in the eighth inning trying win, to win a game? Win, win the ball game. Yeah. I mean, come on. Win the game now. Don't have yeah. it go to extras. How about you win now? Yeah. How about Danny Ozar keeping Lazinski against the Dodgers in left field when he always sent Martin in with the Jerry glove? Jerry Martin, yep. And Bauer had the glove at shortstop, and, and his answer was, well, I thought the bull 
we could bat again in the yeah, ninth, I mean, ninth Come ninth on, ninth. Tony. How about don't get to the 10th inning? Win the game now so you don't have to do that. We may have forgotten her last week, but we're not going to forget her this week, Coach O. You're talking about Serena. I'm talking about the one well, and Serena, Serena. And I'm going to tell you, you heard it on Speaking of Sports last week. You did. Before she just lost her first round match this Tuesday, that she would play two or three more tournaments and do her swan song at the U- U.S. Open in New York. And all of a sudden, after she lost Tuesday, two or three to Philadelphia sports stations come out the next day and said, yeah, it looks like she's probably going to go to New York to retire and do her swan song. So we, uh, we were a little ahead of most of them on that. But Serena, 40 years old, has a daughter, and everybody calls her Olympia, which is her middle name. It's Alexis Olympia O'Haran Jr. Be rough nice. if you believe that. But uh, they grew up in Michigan. And then very eccentric father, and Venus, the other sister, is 42, two years older. And between them, they've won 33 Grand Slam titles. Wow, wow. Now, as wow. an individual, she's won 23. A woman named Margaret Court from Australia won 24. And mm. Serena's been chasing that for four or five years and had a couple wow. opportunities that lost in the finals. So that's what kept her going, I think. She won but, that record, yeah. But now you can see she just has not court coverage yeah. and so forth. Well, hey, age, man. She yeah. got yeah. beat the first round 6-4, six, 6-love. Six, was Tuesday. she bigger than all the players physically? Well, she was by far the strongest and the, the hardest serve. What would you guess her height and weight? I know you don't probably have that. But <sighs> what would you just guess by looking at her? I don't is I'm she one you, of those she, five nine one seventy? I would say one sixty, one seventy, and so right. muscular. And I mean, five nines, so big through the I, I, honestly, I don't thighs know. and arms, and she right. was just yeah. And, just, uh, I, I know she prowess. was just so athletic. Yeah, I remember was, seeing videos. Her father Joe absolutely. was very much a taskmaster, and you haven't seen him in years. When right. she finally got another coach and so forth, but he had those kids for hours. They moved to Compton, California. You don't have to say much about Compton except right. watch the news here or there. Yeah, and uh, he's been out of the picture for many years. He's a gentleman of 80 now. He's had some strokes and t- being taken care of by his son and so forth. But I did hear good things about that movie, though, with the Serena Well, Williams Will Smith did, Will Smith. and he got Oscar-type of recognition yeah. and so forth about King Richard in 2019, which was about Richard Williams, Serena, and Venus's father. But like I said, very much a taskmaster. You haven't seen him. You see the mother and at Wimbledon and all the big events, but not anybody else. For but what the, it's worth out there, we tried to get her on the show. Good luck with that. But it would have been great to have her on. Um, so that's good coverage. Good coverage, Coach. Did we, did we talk about the Field of Dreams already? Let's go. Earlier in, or I, I couldn't remember if we talked about that today. The annual. I the signal. Sorry, Jimmy. Got her height and weight. Yeah. Height and weight? I would hey, yeah, pretty wow. good. By the way, I'll see you in the boardwalk tonight. I have my little booth. You have to give her a cane because you. <laughs> I work on a Wildwood boardwalk. Yes, yeah. height, weight, age, and some other things. There goes David, CFO. So, David so, so the annual Field of Dreams game oh, took place last Thursday. I'm upset. And it was perhaps the worst marketing strategy ever. Ever. Done because the MLB did zero marketing on it. I think there was a commercial like Wednesday. <laughs> it was a joke. Yeah, if you had those two teams, did you market them? Last year, the Field of Dreams was true to a name, true to its name. Yeah, it it really was the was. Yankees White Sox. It was an unbelievable Epic. game. It looked like a, you know, a, a like a like your, like your neighborhood Sandlot game. It was just back and forth and a great comeback. This year, it's the Reds versus the Cubs, Ow. two teams that no one could baseball, care less about. Baseball, baseball. And, the, and there was clearly, here's the problem. If there was no better matchup, I mean, shame on them for not doing it, but whatever. But there was a better matchup. 
Why don't you Why don't you tell us about well, what was going on here? What, yeah, what th- this is interesting and a bit quirky, or very, very, very much quirky. So picture this. A lot of times, teams will say, you'll hear from their travel directors that it's you know inconvenient, but because, because the players are unbelievably fussy about their days off. Well, the Yankees were playing in Seattle, so last time I checked. You have to hop on an airplane, fly across country, five-hour flight, and what do you fly over? Pretty much, give or take, Ohio. The Dodgers were in Minnesota. Why don't you be the map? But there's a map right there. Can we show the map? I don't know my states very well, but there's a map of the U.S. on Mark. This is a map of our new business development for Perry's private schools. We're doing pretty damn good. Uh, They were right above Ohio, and they were going to Kansas City. So the Dodgers hop, skip, and a jump on a puddle of an hour flight, stop in, play the game. Yankees flying across country. They land, play the game. Got the Yankees-Dodgers in year two of the Field of Dreams. And, and how the heck could baseball think that the Reds and the Cubs are befitting of the Field of Dreams I game? I don't know. They I did know. 6 million uh, viewers last year. They could have done 12 this year and set records. Of course, it plummeted to three. They, now they're they off next have year. Just botched this operation so badly. Major they're skipping it baseball. next year. Oh. Why would just makes no sense? It just makes you scratch your head and say, "What are they thinking?" Yeah, we built apartment complexes twenty stories high in New York in eighteen months. They why, can't build a little why, league field. <laughs> why do they have to be off? Half of it is next, dirt. <laughs> next year to build the little league field, it's dirt. They're not going to turn the Field of Dreams cornfield field into a major league stadium, are they? That would ruin the entire. I don't entire, know what they're doing. Right mantra of the whole situation. So they're going to build a little league field. So they're off next year. Imagine how many construction companies across America are calling Major League Baseball, saying, "We'll build that little league field in a month, in a month, a week." All right, it's already done. Plow the corn and put the dirt out. It's dirt and grass. All you yeah. got to do is build the stands. So obviously, our research is missing something there. We'll continue to look at it. But what a debacle, Major League Baseball. You had the Yankees and Dodgers to play year two in the Field of Dreams. Oh, my Lord. It's a swing and a miss. And here's the one thing I never realized. By looking at that map, they they had to fly over at least nine or ten schools visited and one one EDU, whatever the hell that is. Go get the deed. Bring him in here. Bring him in here. We need to see the deed. That's great. Get my back here, Chad. I'm going to get the deed in here. Keep going. Well, I want to talk about what really is just a great positive, I don't want to say positive, but just a a really shed some light on a great person in, in sports who left a tremendous impact. I don't want to say positive because he just passed, but Pete Carroll uh, from Princeton basketball. Also pronounced as Petey Carrill. Carrill. Oh, Carrill. Yeah, my, well, my apologies. Pete Carrill. Of me of all people. Right. Correct. Right. Here we go. I got Schwarber. You got Carrill. I, I think there's that second L on it. Yeah. Seriously, I think. I'm not I, don't, I don't know. Uh, uh, all right. So Pete Carrill is yeah, the head coach is. of Princeton basketball for 30 years. He just passed away Monday, this past Monday, August 15th. He led Princeton to 11 NCAA appearances, and he often surprised opponents with his old-school fundamentals and what was known as the Princeton offense, which entailed constant movement, quick passes, backdoor layups, and a lot of intelligence and patience letting these plays develop. The offense required tremendous discipline, and often in the NCAA tournament, 
the teams were not prepared for this unique style. And we'll, and we'll get out. to an example soon. All right, we're going to do this, Jimmy, real quick. Here he comes in. Perry also noticed the Dean. Please go over to your EDU map. It's relevant to our show because okay. the Yankees flew right over Ohio for the Field of Dreams. And this is uh, Mr. Uh, Perry Barcy here. He's our director of new business development. And, and Perry, if you'll point to where the Yankees were in Seattle, West Coast, all the way over here. Oh, yeah. And they had to come home. Right, so where's Ohio, Per? Pretty much, take a guess. Right, right over it. Bingo. We so Coach Al said that they would Yankees would have flown over Gribbly Financial clients. Perry, what I mentioned in that flight, they had to go over nine schools who visited and one EDU. Right, <laughs> yeah. that's a good yeah. catch by Coach Al. Starting all the way up here. All the way here, right yeah, across. Right across there. Could have played in the field of dream against the Dodgers, right? <laughs> Yep. All right, Perry, good job, man. Keep up the good work. Yep, you rock it, buddy. Sorry to, show. sorry to take you off the floor there at Grimley. No the man does a great job. Well, get back to those schools of your business. <laughs> Son of the mayor. All right, I'm going to finish up with Pete, Pete Carrill here. I got a comment. Good. 13, oh, yeah, I'm just giving the yep, summary. Yep, 13 yep. Ivy League titles, an overall record of 514 and 261, and without the benefit of scholarship players. He led the nation in scoring defense in 14 of his last 21 seasons and including the last eight in a run that ended in 1996. Perhaps most notably, due to the offense we talked about, the 1989 Game 1 of the NCAA tournament, Georgetown number 1 seed versus Princeton the 16 seed. One sixteen. The Princeton Tigers. Almost. And, and Georgetown was coached by Hall of Famer John Thompson. I'll never forget it. Princeton Tigers had two shots in the final seconds of game of the first game to oh. become the first ever 16 seed to upset number one seed, and they fell just short, losing 50 to 49. It's a game worth watching. I'll never forget the last two shots. And uh, to, to, to to Chad's point, the discipline um, and the backdoor layups. The other teams knew exactly what they were going to do. It's basically one play, but obviously different varieties, right? But he, he will be uh, what a just uh, institutional game changer, gentleman. You know, as in a gentleman, um, this is a guy that'll be missed in basketball. This guy was college basketball. I'll give you less. You know, slow horses don't make fast horses. Well, let me tell you something about it. Slow horses they beat the fast horse. Well, I had the pleasure of watching Mr. Carrill coach. In fact, my old high school coach, Jack McCloskey, was at Penn. I saw Bill Bradley over to Palestra, and he had a great – and he had a 6'8 or 6'9 player. He never got the great 7-footer at Princeton, but he would have them out on that high post doing the screens and so forth, and the back cuts, like you said, and it would confuse and just frustrate other teams because it was a slowed-down game yeah. without the shot clock way back mm -hmm. and all that type of thing. And he really did frustrate the and, hell out and, of And people. you know what I love? I love confident people, like cl coaches that you know, can't come anywhere near the stadium. we got to close. And I understand some of that. If you're running plays that teams don't know. So Petey would say, everybody welcome. Come into the gym, watch our practice. He didn't care. You know, just absolutely just wide open about invitations to come in and watch. Trying to think, was that Jadwood Gym? I'm not I, I think it was. Yeah, I've been in there. I think that was the gym. But it, for uh, years and years, it was Penn, Penn and Princeton. Yeah. They were the two dominant teams in the Ivy League for many years. Yep, yep, yep. He's, uh, you know, what a segue here, right, bud? For our last topic today, let's talk about Jerickson Profar. On Monday night, the Padres were playing at Miami. The Padres, which are in a tight playoff race for the third wild card spot, were down 2 to nothing in the bottom of the sixth inning. 
with pitcher Joe Musgrove for the Padres grinding, trying to keep the game within reach. Now, pitching for Miami was Sandy Alcantara. I hope I'm saying that last yeah, name right. Had it right on the money. There we go. Easily the best pitcher in baseball this year but with a 1.92 ERA over 173 innings. Alcantara. Yeah. I thought I got it right. Oh, you did. I'm just correcting you on it. It's funny. Yep. With the bases empty, the Miami player, Miguel Rojas, he ropes the ball off the left center field fence. Profar picks the ball up, and Rojas can be seen slowing up his jog as he approaches second base. Routine double, stand-up double, all day long. However, instead of throwing the ball in, Profar held onto the ball for almost four seconds and taunts Rojas to run to third. He takes his glove and he flicks it out like, like flicks it like go. Which I've never seen in Major League Baseball. He's ready, he is ready ago. to show off his gun. Yep. Well, Rojas took off and he headed to third. And Profar threw a two-hopper to third base yeah, from left center. A professional arm, two-hopper. And Rojas slid in safely. Yeah. The throw took almost four seconds to reach third base. Now, I don't know how that compares, but I know it's not one of the best arms in the game. Jimmy, will we have the video on this? Great. You'll see it. And then Rojas scored on a single, and the Marlins won 3-0. What happened Now, here's the problem. After the game, and we'll get to the dugout, the Padres manager said Profar was trying to motion the shortstop to get into the correct cutoff position, and he was holding the ball and waiting to throw to the cutoff until he got into the right position. So Profar could throw him out I didn't hear while this. waiting for this transfer to happen because, of course, it's better to have the ball 250 oh, feet away God. than, I don't know, 75 Great. feet away into the outfield. Yeah, it makes man. a lot of – instead of just owning it and saying, hey, he messed up, he, he, he defends it. It's just insane. You can't defend yeah. it because it's a stand-up double. Yeah. Just get the ball just in. Just get the ball in. And, and let, the Padres uh, recognize when, the effort. I when, mean. when they went into the dugout after Musgrove got, got out of the inning, a few of the teammates did approach Profar. I think it was Soto – Machado was seen there, and they're just sitting there talking to him. But in my opinion, it was way too soft. It was way too I friendly so too. of we got I this. So too. Now, this is why I don't believe the Padres will win. The discipline is lacking. Good point. The accountability. What happened if you did this for what? Some point. of the 1980, 1990 Phillies teams. Yeah. If, you, if you did, <laughs> do you think that one of those players would just say, oh, Imagine. happy on the back? Don't, 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 don't do that again. They'd kill you. They'd Dave rip you a new Holland's one. Dutch, Dave Holland's. I was just going to yeah. say, put well, him in the back on. room but with Dave Holland's. But, but you wouldn't do it. The culture's set. The pins are set. The culture pins are set, as we say. You wouldn't do it. Yeah, the, this reflects a lack of leadership. There's and no that's why it. the Padres, in my opinion, are not going to win. They are so you need, you need that discipline when you get to the playoffs. I agree. And every game is a grind. Every game is a battle. There's no easy opponents. So Mikado comes up to him. Soto came up to him. Uh, I they think just tapped him. You know, and they basically went up and said, you know, you know better. I, I think that's what it was. You know, nobody had any stern look on their face, you know. Just, and you, and to prove just because pro, uh, that Profar wasn't motioning, he didn't look at them and say, oh, no, I was going to the shortstop. He didn't point at the shortstop. He just nodded his head like a little, like a little upset dog, put his head down, was like, mm-hmm, yeah, I know I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. And the manager comes out and defends it. So viewers want to know why, and I'll uh, turn it over to you, Coach. Here's why. In today's game, if you call a, a clubhouse meeting, no, no. If you do something to talk with a player, you're probably coaching your last handful of games, okay? If you go against the players with the press, same thing. So the manager has to align himself with a good old-fashioned lie, which everybody knows better. But the manager's willing to think, if you think about it, the manager is willing to expose himself as a liar, in that case, anyway, I'll say generally, 
because he just won't say, ask me the question. I wanna, I'm going to handle the press conference. You be media. I'll be their coach. I should have known his name, the Padres. Ask me the question. Did you see it? And I'll, I'll respond to it. we got to go quicker. Just, well, I was just going to say. No, no, you're going to play a role here. No, get say, off on a different rant about Tatis <laughs> at the same situation where, you but know, I'll they're all upset. The question. You missed the right. I know, I know I did. Yeah, well, you didn't do it. Take us, take us through that play in the sixth inning when it looks like pro far. Uh, the runner cut, slowed up at second. Well, what was going on? Why was he holding on to the ball <coughs> in the outfield? Well, they do this first. But I think there would no, no, be no, one no, individual. We're doing this. We're doing this role play. Hold okay. Uh, well, that, that clearly wasn't his best moment. Uh, sometimes the emotions, you know, these guys get the best of them. And uh, I, I'm sure we, we, we got to that in the dugout, uh, team leadership being what it is. And I, I don't think we'll see that again. And that's something he'd like to do over. Definitely a better answer than saying he was trying to get the ball to the shortstop Jimmy, into the correct cutoff position. How big a blatant lie is it to say he's trying to align himself? With the, what major league player in the outfield when a guy's hot base runner? Have you seen the outfielder go? Like he's, Wait, an air, yeah. like he's an airplane. Air traffic control here. <laughs> that moving is him. absolutely hilarious. You missed an opportunity to be an actor right there. Coach. No, but I just was going to say there Jeez. usually is one main man in there. And with Soto just getting there and Machado about there that long, I don't know if there one would be one main spe- uh, speaker to go to this young man. rather than Soto's terrible. new. Uh, I do notice that, and I say this in the most polite, respectful way, but I think I can say it. The Latin American players have their own way of policing thing. Mike Schmidt spoke of this and got in a lot of trouble once in the afternoon. I understood what he was saying. So that they, they have their own way of getting each other's back and communicating. I respect that. But it was the Latin American players that came up to him and had something to say. But to Chad's point, it wasn't very much. It wasn't the end of the world. We're not trying to make it such. But it sh- I think it showed up the Padres. And I do think it speaks to an underlying culture on the Padres, it says, we ain't going to win. You know, because, you, you know, you, you fly into New York, you got a beard, what do you got to do? You got to shave the hell off. That's the culture of the Yankees. Not saying that makes you win either. Let's All move right, let's, let's Let's rant now. Let's Why don't you hit rant. Us take us off, Coach Al. What do we All got? right. My rant, and we're getting tired of it, was Deshaun Watson. But this week, he has... Between the six-game suspension and 11, all of a sudden he comes out and he said, I'd like to make a statement that I do feel bad for all the women that were involved in this. You know, he didn't say, like, the ones he had paid off with all that $230 million. So he gets fined $5 million, and he was only on a contract his first year for $1 million before all the $230 million guarantee kicks in. So it's easy, I think, and I don't know if it swayed anybody, but 11 games is like a, a goofy number i would have think go from six to the, for the whole season and it's not costing him like i said that much money and i'm just glad we didn't get him in philly and but afterwards he said well after you know the 11 games came down then all of a sudden he changed his tune a little bit about being innocent of everything and eventually you're going to hear my side of the story so he was all over the place all over. And, uh, and, and and to clarify a little bit too his initial statement was in writing, which you know was reviewed by the team lawyers, everyone, to make sure it was sanitized and say, yeah, I, you know, I'm trying to maybe apologize a bit. And then he comes out in person and says, yeah, I'm innocent. I, I maintain my innocence. Like, come on, man. Just it's just, The whole thing has just gotten worse by the day. Yeah. And now he comes back in his first games against the Texans. I mean, NFL, come on. That will be is a it, circus. Is it all about ratings and money? Is it that really all that matters? 
Yeah, I, I'm not going to mention his name. I'm just not going to dignify the uh, the coward and the uh, predator anymore. And I believe he should have been thrown out of football. You abuse one person, one female, you may want to, I think my vote would be something really, really very heavy in discipline. You do it 24, 30 times, you are a career criminal. You, you have a whole bunch of serious problems, and you've abused your privilege to play in the NFL. And that's that would have been my vote for you the You almost NFL. used the word predator in there. Would, uh, yeah, know. I can't even. Here's my rant. You know, our quarterback, let's give the guy a break, media. All the experts out there. I mean, Ray Diddy, da-da-da-da, uh, okay? Not one person yet has said, can we chill the heck out on Jalen Hurts, Okay. This guy has not yet played his second full season. I think last year he's 63%, whatever, who cares. Tom Brady, first five years, completion percentage, 63, 62, 60, 60, 61. The next year he leads the NFL with 68. Uh, Brett Favre, 64, 63. Check this out, 62, 59-59 for all you people who are saying that the well it got easier throw against the defenses. Okay, that he went down to 59. Next year led the league at 64. That's year five. I think Brady and Brett Favre, two guys headed to the Hall of Fame in the NFL, they'll end up in Canton. The throwing a football against NFL defenses with guys six six foot six three forty, you know, with four four speed. It's a daunting task. You need to matriculate. You need to learn. You got to see it. it take, the video alone doesn't prepare you. Get off the guy's back. Let him have his second full year. Third year, he had a 70% completion uh, ratio in the most elite programs in the country. He played for Alabama and Oklahoma. This guy's going to be a top 10 NFL quarterback. Okay, Eskin and guys. Just let the guy get experience and play it out. Man, I'll tell you, give the guy a break would be my rant. Amen. I'm going to – I am going to add to both of your rants because I was I was going to go off on Girardi and what he said yesterday ah. in the Cubs, but um, – well, it's my rant. I mean, yeah, no. yes, I, I get my own rant. But, I know. Yesterday's um, news. Yesterday's news. Well, it literally happened yesterday. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> very good. It's a weekly show. Both, <laughs> both of you are right. That's I a can't simple talk about it on Tuesday. <laughs> Damn. But – um, no, Ray. Yes, Ray. Yes, Ray. We're going to get Ray after. So, okay, Bob. you know, I'll just go right to, I'll just stick with, um, with Hertz here. Yep. I, I'm just going to stick with Hertz. It hurts. We have to give Jalen time. The, 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 the fact that people are, cru- the fact that people are crucifying him right now as not there, doesn't have the intangibles. Plagiarizing. Is it I said I was going to add to your rant. You're plagiarizing. I said I was going to add to yeah, it. That's what I'm doing. No, I'm not. I'm adding to it. I'm Eventually. I'm going to file a motion. I'm, give, I'm giving that. more relevant stats here to bring it into the modern-day NFL. He's grooming. Josh Allen, in his second year, he had a 58.8 completion percentage. Jalen Hurts, last year in his second year, had a 61. Jalen Hurts was better there. In his second year, Josh Allen had an 85 quarterback rating. Jalen Hurts last year had an 87. Jalen Hurts is better there. Touche. Yards per game. Josh Allen, second year, 193. Jalen Hurts, 210. We have to give this guy a chance. The fact that everyone's saying, oh, look at Josh Allen is. Yeah, Josh Allen's a stud now. Well, you know what? Josh Allen also has four years in the NFL, 
three of them where he's played full seasons. In the first year, he played 12, 11 games started. Jalen Hurts has one full year under his belt. Give this guy a chance. He's looking really good. He's doing the 3D QB camp, which Brady went to. Matt Ryan, Breeze went to. A lot of elite quarterbacks have gone there. Let's see what this guy can do. Let's give him a chance. His college numbers were great, and it's not fair how we're attacking him right now. Apparently, you didn't prepare, so you just took Dad's material. No, I said I was going to add to it. Yeah. And that's what I'm doing. I know you had a late night with the client last night, you know, drinking the Grand Marniers. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. Ocean Pride. <laughs> Closes Ocean Pride last night. some DNA here. You Come should, on. You should hear him at 1230 telling everybody, because I got the analytics on that. The client was quite impressed, well, by the way. Yeah. It's come a long way. I gotta it's shut. easy to have a long night at Ocean Prime. Yeah, they have boy. a 10-layer ten layer carrot cake for dessert. Oh, That's God. unbelievable. Ask for it without the pineapple. Doesn't yeah, the pineapple. Yeah, how's good to sushi at Ocean Prime? It's phenomenal. Ocean if Prime you have not been to Ocean Prime, in Philly, and you like sushi, go right past Del Frisco's. Don't dare stop and go to Ocean Prime. couple things, a little housekeeping here. Uh, happy birthday wishes go out to our man, Jack, son of Mark, one of our favorite fans. We called in a couple weeks ago. Called yeah. a couple weeks ago. Happy good birthday. guy, good family, new baby. Happy birthday to uh, Jack. Let's right? see, I think four years old now? Yes, he's four. And excuse me, uh, Mark, if I said it incorrectly, because you know my problem with, <laughs> with names. Even first Jack. Names. It's Jack. It's Jack. Happy birthday to Jack, Jack on your fourth birthday. Yes. Hopefully, you're going to have an awesome weekend. You got some fun stuff Happy planned. birthday to you, all right? And uh, our local kid last night, man, who's our next $100 million local kid? About Zach Gallon, baby. Yeah. 9 and 2, 278. What a stud. Eustace kid, we drove him home with Chad in the back seat. One became a $100 million pitcher. Another one became a $100 million son. Love you, buddy. Coach Al, good show. <laughs> Jimmy, you're the best. How to get a hold of us? All right. Speaking of sportspod.com, check us out on Twitter. Speaking of sports podcast, Facebook, same thing. Speaking of sports anywhere, really. YouTube, it's all there. Check us out. Let us know your thoughts. And as always, have a great weekend. 609-828-5569. My cell phone number. I don't sleep. Uh, get a hold of me anytime. I love the texts. I'm getting a few phone calls. Keep it up. Fan interest is great in the show. The show is fun. Life is good. We're all blessed, man. Going to have a good Friday here. Do some biz. Get a lunch and uh, rock the weekend. Jimmy, keep it up, buddy. You're the best. Thanks, everybody. Be good.